to The Apple of Truth, a currently weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 1, Episode 11, Saint Lucifer. Ooh, Episode 11, isn't it cool? <laughs> that brings me to the fact that we are getting closer to the end of the season, so we need your feedback. Please send us your feedback to our email lucifer at t-a-o-t minus podcast.com you can send it through our instagram you can send it through our twitter you can send it on our facebook page anywhere you can find us you can send it to our discord if you're a patron and you have access to it we just want all questions you have for us or anything like that suggestions for the future yep if you have any questions just for us or even about the podcast please send it to us by the end of may we are going to be doing the cut off date on the 1st of june so send it send it send it send it send it i can't wait to read it thank you thank you people this time the summaries are kind of boring because they're good <laughs> it's basically just the philanthropist tim dunlear is found dead lucifer explores his good sides by turning himself into the benefactor for the glitzy los angeles charity it's the same one for imdb and for amazon uk it's even the same one in german it's really well translated even the title in german is the same this one the only thing that's weird you remember last episode when they had in all caps the actress for chloe's mom yeah they did it again for the dead guy who is the dead guy mikasha armstrong is that somebody or is that like i did not recognize him from his imdb page also he plays the dead dude why does he get a shout out in the description <laughs> that makes no sense is his face even there this is something that i found really really weird and i know amazon repeatedly does that but in this case it literally makes no sense because the dude has not a single line so why i'm very confused right now yes i found it hilarious we once more have two writers for this episode one this is his only writing credit oh. and the other one is the same person who wrote sweet kicks ah so you're gonna hate it i'm gonna love it i wasn't overly motivated let's put it this way but you did have a lot to say didn't you uh, me no <laughs> And also, I like to split my IMDb survey into two parts. I check who wrote the episode, the summary and everything before I watch the episode. And then I watch the episode, do my notes, and then I check the trivia and behind-the-scenes stuff that you can find on the internet because I don't want to... Cloud your judgment. ...point out things that I might have seen by myself earlier because I like to prove to myself that I see everything they talk about in the trivia section on IMDb. And do you? No. <laughs> Two parts of the IMDb notes that I did not see or know. First, the exact same house in which the crime scene is set in this episode is a crime scene in the pilot episode of Psych in 2006. Wow. The second thing I didn't know and I should because I'm German and we learn a lot about this part of history. When Lucifer mentions Nazis, Argentina and no extradition. In the 1940s and 50s, a lot of top-ranked Nazis did end up in Argentina because there were no extradition treaties with that country. But since the 1970s, Argentina has been signing extradition treaties and the latest version of it with the US went into effect in 2000. Sometimes the trivia section of IMDb is super great and sometimes it's the worst. <laughs> 
Very true. And that ends my pre-show notes. And with this... Woohoo! Previously on Lucifer. Lucifer has a coin. Lucifer is changing. Mace betrayed Lucifer. Aim brings Malcolm back from the dead. Lucifer is mortal. And if he dies, he goes back to hell. Abe's hires Malcolm to kill Lucy. Dan tries to stop him and gets himself kidnapped. Chloe comes on to Lucy and he says no. You only miss that Dan gave Malcolm the gun from evidence. Nah, not important. <laughs> no, not important at all. I mean, Malcolm tells us 15 times during this episode, so. No, but otherwise, perfect summary. I really liked the pacing of the previously on. It was super fast. Yeah, there was a lot to cover. There was a lot of info. Even with just the previously on, it's already set up. Shit's gonna happen this episode. Oh, yeah. I was down that uh, sweet kicks writer. And then I saw the previously on. I was like, oh, yeah, shit's about to hit the fan. And we start with the morning after. I have titles for scenes this time again. Lovely. I only have one, which goes for like four scenes, but I love it. I have title for every scene. Very good. I can't wait. In the morning after, we start with a song called Emotional Rescue. Oh boy, okay. By the Rolling Stones. Perfect for our playlist. There is a lot of really good songs in this episode, one of which I am extremely excited to have on the playlist, but this one is definitely in the top five of the seven songs that we have. (laughs) In the top, so in the bottom three. While the music might be amazing, what I'm not impressed with, no one on this fucking earth wakes up with that flawless makeup on their face after being shit-faced the night before. She looks perfect. She has perfect makeup on. Her eyebrows are perfection. Her hair isn't even that bad. Girl, you were wasted out of your mind. When I fall asleep that drunk, I look like it the next morning. And if I had makeup on when I fell asleep it's everywhere i very rarely wear makeup so i'm not really sure and it's been a while since i got this pissed so (laughs) (laughs) look this is a tv show that is very keen on having perfect eyeliners and makeup on so i am fine with that so we're fine with the perfect makeup what i'm not fine with is how praiseworthy in this instant and in actually the entire episode lucifer's behavior that he didn't sleep with non-consenting chloe sorry that's not praiseworthy behavior that's normal it should be normal if someone is too drunk to drink the tea don't force them to drink the tea and even if they're fucking drunk and they tell you oh please give me some tea wait until they're sober enough to actually decide if they want the tea. In this case, I didn't see it as the act itself being praiseworthy. To me, it was more the fact that Lucifer felt good. He felt like he had done a good deed. It gets equated with participating in a charity, giving a homeless person clothing. Which is not okay. No! And it does not get called out. Well, not specifically. But I think that by the end of the episode, we realize that the reason he had a good feeling about this has nothing to do with the fact that he did a good deed. Emphasis on good deed. No, at the end of the episode, he knows that only anything in relation to Chloe gives him the feeling. He still considers it a good behavior on his part. Well, it is good behavior. No, it's normal behavior. It's like, you didn't take a shit on the sidewalk. I'm not gonna call you out that you did good to not shit on the sidewalk. No, I absolutely (laughs) agree with you. I don't want to fight you on this because you're absolutely 
exactly right, but it's not a bad behavior. No, 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 no. We're in full agreement it's not bad behavior that he didn't sleep with her while she was pissed. The show is not old enough that I can accept this not being called out, at least by Linda. I want my show to do better because I like it so much. And they do so good in so many areas, but I'm a greedy bitch and I want more. Fair. What I love about this scene, though, yes, was the entire recap that Lucifer did. The way Tom Ellis presents this and when he describes the night, it's fucking priceless. I loved it. Yes. It's hilarious. It's very Lucifer. Obviously, he's not gonna tell her straight away. He's gonna torture her a little bit first because he knows <laughs> that he didn't do anything wrong, so he can't. I also counted the Lucifer meeting Maze downstairs in Lux into this scene because it's so short. And it was painful that she's still icing her out. Look, it's gonna be fine. We do get a song for this part of the scene as well. Really? Because when he comes down to Lux, it's a change of scenery and it's a change of atmosphere as opposed to the penthouse where we get very kind of a playful atmosphere where we get a lot of Joe and light dialogue then he goes down and we get a slightly different feel it's tense we get a song called Epic by Becca Kute okay I didn't even notice very good song also in the playlist also in the playlist yeah go check it out on Spotify link in the description below <laughs> What I really love about this scene, it's kind of shitty because, you know, Lucifer is in such a good mood because of the entire thing that happened with Chloe and because he is praising himself and he feels good about himself because I think that this is the first time he actually thought of a woman... Of another person before himself. On a human level, yes, that he wasn't entirely selfish. He feels great and that is literally the only reason why he even acknowledges that Maze is there, in my opinion. Yeah, full agreement. It's also such a harsh cut between the playfulness and then the harshness which he uses when he talks to her. Technically, Maze has Chloe to thank for anything that happens in this episode. Isn't that gonna sting? Hmm. Coming up is scene two, our weekly crime scene. And of course, once more, as we mentioned before, we get a case for Lucifer to project onto. And Chloe actually calls this out. I appreciate the self-awareness. And I love that Lucifer then goes, who else would I talk about? <laughs> it's so much Lucifer. And I know I like to complain. But when he's, in quotation marks, just projecting, I love the playfulness that they actually get out of it. And of course, we get our tiny lead to move the plot along, that there was a homeless man who ran. Very often it happens to me that I start making a note in a scene about something that is very subtle and I noticed it and I'm really happy that I noticed it. And then they call it out. <laughs> And I get so sad. I knew it. I knew it. It was there all along. They love doing it. They do it every episode. It happens at least once. And in this particular scene, it was the moment where Lucifer is intrigued with the idea of a bad boy turning good. And you can see it in his face and he gets really into it. And then he just says it and leans into it and Chloe leans into it and suddenly it's spelled out and I feel like, but I knew, I knew before you told me, so I'm smart, okay? Sometimes I would prefer if they weren't as much in your face with it. There's a lot of enjoyment to figure out tiny clues. It would have been nicer in this situation. I didn't mind as much in a last episode when Dunn brings the chocolate cake and gives it to Trixie because still have the agreement. Yes. I would have been fine 
with Dan not spelling it out for her. Yes. Just having that as a reminder and that moment, I didn't need to hear it. Just handing it over. But in this particular moment, it actually made me kind of half feeling smart and half kind of sad <laughs> that they did actually say it. But in the end of the day, it was actually like a really nice feeling to understand before the actually happens. Basically, you get instant confirmation. Exactly. That's all I have for this. Same. Now we go over to our killing plot. When this scene started, I was like, mm, I need to name Malcolm's space somehow because I usually just say things like penthouse, Chloe's house. You know, I was trying to think of a name for this. So I named it Den of Evil. <laughs> Which I really like. But Dan and Den. That's what I just realized today, though, when I was looking at that. But I ended up calling it Evil Lair for the rest of my notes. So this is the Evil Lair. I prefer the Den of Evil. Den of Evil is great, but Dan's <laughs> not actually evil, so... If Dan would be the bad guy, that would be fucking perfect. <laughs> so if either of us ever writes a book and there's gonna be a bad guy, the dude is gonna be named Dan and his place is gonna be called Den of Evil. Yes! Perfect. I love it. I only have one note for the evil lair because Malcolm's plan is actually quite good. I really have to say. Yeah. So I was impressed. Except for one thing. And that is a thing that I go back to every single time we go back to this room. Why is Dan still alive? Because he plans to shoot him after he shoots Lucifer because otherwise forensics will know that Dan died before Lucifer. Oh, thank you. Because this is a question that I have in my notes like 15 times. Okay, that's over-exaggeration. But this is literally in my notes every single time we go back to this plot. Because he's a cop and he knows how forensics work. So he knows he has to kill the one person first and then the one he frames for it. I didn't think of that. I genuinely just thought of the fact that now done is a problem. That's why you have me. Thank you. Teamwork. Otherwise, everything else fits and sits. What I enjoyed is Lucifer's enjoyment when he's actually being perceived by someone else as one of the saintly ones. And then she looks upwards. Did you literally copy my notes? Seriously? <laughs> because it was also shot nicely from above. Basically, we're God looking down and he's looking up like, <laughs> And he says, suits me, don't you think? He's talking to dad. It's so good. It's a very well done scene. The scene closes out with the title card at 7.55, which is normal-ish position of the title card. And with that, we go to therapy. Woohoo! Hi, Linda! I have an incomplete note. <laughs> because sometimes I have to stop the episode when I watch it and make notes, because then when I start making notes, my brain keeps listening to the episode and then I lose my train of thought. So in this particular moment, I have neglected to actually stop the episode, it seems, because I only have a half a note. What is your half a note? Goodness isn't a toy, column, nothing. <laughs> Empty. <laughs> All right. Goodness isn't a toy is something that Linda says, I believe, which I think that my train of thoughts went somewhere towards the fact that this is a very good description of the situation. Even if Lucifer decides to be good, decides to be the Saint Lucifer, he shouldn't treat it as a game. It should be about... You're not doing goodness because you get something in return. You're doing goodness for goodness sake. Exactly. And as I describe it in another note that I actually finished. Linda is trying to bring Lucifer down from his high horse. And once again it doesn't work. In all the therapy sessions they have played with this before but I feel like in this therapy session it's painfully made clear 
Linda is fighting an uphill battle with Lucifer's willful blindness. This time it feels that he's actively and willingly not listening to her. The last few times when this happened, it was more charming than it's this time. I have to agree on that. It was kind of tough to watch for the first time. Where we go and follow the leads... I really like when Lucifer is trying to imitate the philanthropist and giving his shirt off his back, how casual we see the scars from the wings. Yeah. There's no focus on it. It's simply normal part of him. It's a slight reminder that he cut off his wings. He burned his wings. It was very subtle. And I have a question that not really requires an answer, but I was still wondering how the fuck did Lucifer make it home naked when Chloe refused to drive him? Well, do you think it has something to do with his magic skills? That's my question. But that also leads into the next scene because my next scene starts with a question. Why did she wait for him to change? Because he asked her to. She said she's not gonna drive him naked. But she went with him to his place so he could get dressed in his normal clothes and then drove with him back to the original crime scene. Why does she indulge him so? Because she likes working with him. But working with him is something else than indulging his extreme whimsiness sometimes. I don't expect an answer. I was just like... I think that Chloe has a soft spot for him. Oh, yes. That she definitely has. I'm pretty sure that I have this in my notes a little bit later on as well, so... Lucifer, of course, is be good with inserting himself in regards to the gala, but he's also actually being good for the case. This is what I really like in this episode, when they mix the willfulness of Lucifer being actually useful to Chloe. Yes. Especially later on, they play differently with it. And also in the past, we've had moments where his playfulness is actually in the way. But I really like that he looks at her and then inserts himself into the gala while looking at her. And they have this non-verbal communication. I was really into that. That was very good. Also, a little red flag there that Vanessa calls Lucifer Lucifer when they enter the office. It made me stop and write it down because usually people call him Mr. Morningstar or... Unless they have had dealings with him. Unless they've known him from before. So that was a bit of a shady moment for me. I just kind of stopped and didn't actually understand why. I got distracted more by the lawyer because he was so eager to give them another suspect that he instantly raised for me the red flag. Yeah. That was another moment which I've written down. He is being extremely defensive and extremely quickly comes up with another suspect. I'm kind of sad with the suspect that they actually bring up because it's the poor kid that we have seen in the first crime scene moment and him now being scrutinized. His name is Emmett. Yeah, Emmett. That's the, again, crime scene scene for me. And with that, we go to lunch with the donors. Isn't that a beautiful moment? I love this scene so much. You don't love it, I know. I think there's a loads of really, 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 really cool moments that I enjoy extremely. And also, it gives me my favorite song of the episode. Let's go through the happy things and then I'm gonna be complaining. Okay. <laughs> extremely well shown how Chloe is actually so smart and such a good detective. The way she talks to these women, she is missing that one piece of information that would... Really? Yeah, I found it really good. I have as a note that Chloe is so bad at the socializing and reading the facial cues 
And Lucy is doing such a great job to get them to open up. Lucifer is doing a bang on job. It's very, very good. Chloe talks to one person and gets basically shut down because she moves on too strongly. So I don't think that she moves too strongly. I think the reason why she gets shut down is she is missing one crucial piece of information about the victim. She finds out that he's gay later on and she doesn't know that. It absolutely makes sense to me watching that. You can ask in that direction without actually stating that they fucked. That's just crude. And usually she shows a lot more finesse. I thought she was not good in this moment. My issue with this is that these women, as Chloe recognizes, are hungry for gossip. And that's where this is coming from to me. Let's agree to disagree. Let's agree to disagree. I felt differently about this moment. I have a question for you. Yeah? Where did Lucy hide the microphone? Because when he walks in, he doesn't have a microphone in his hand. And then they sit down and suddenly he has his hand below the table and pulls up the mic. You have a microphone in front of you. You know how big microphones are. Where did he stash the microphone? I'm telling you, he was not that happy to see people. <laughs> It was in his pocket all along. That's my answer. That brings us... Oh my god, Tom Ellis, what are you doing to me? So he starts singing this song. The song is called Devil May Care. He sings it brilliantly. It's so good. Why though? Why is he singing? Yeah. What does Lucifer think to accomplish by singing a song at this brunch? He is trying to bring out some emotions. I think this is part of his seduction technique, honestly. But nobody is talking to him. Nobody is sharing information. Of course, it works out in the end because the dude gets super upset and storms out. But this is not something that Lucifer could have had planned. I think the intention was to bring out emotions that stand out, which is exactly what happened. They're both too surprised that Kyle's reaction in any way is... Obviously, they didn't expect this. But did they expect some of the women to start crying and be like, I had an affair with him or what? Maybe. That's not how Lucy powers work. I don't think he's using Lucy powers. I think he's genuinely using his charm. Ah, not satisfied. Anyhow, he is singing the fucking song. Can I talk about the song now? And he's doing it greatly. It is a song called Devil May Care that is written by Bob Dorrow and has been written in 1956. 1956 has produced so much good music. Mm -hmm. It is also sang by Tori Thornton on her album in 1961 and it has been sang by many of people and it has been sang by one of my and now I'm doing a plug for my own musical taste one of my favorite jazz singers of a current time his name is Jamie Cullum and he does his own music but he also does a lot of covers mm -hmm. one of his most famous songs is covering Please Don't Stop the Music but he has done a lot of other things he has covered Devil May Care on his album in 2002 it is the version that I chose to put on the playlist because sadly the Tom Ellis version not on Spotify no unfortunately but I will put the Tom Ellis version into the links for YouTube as I usually do and for Spotify we get the next best thing my personal next best thing if you do like jazz and if you do like this version of the song feel free to check him out as well because he is brilliant he has a really nice velvety voice he is a great piano player as well and I believe his version version of Everlasting Love, the song, is on Bridget Jones's diary. Is that the first one? Yes. And it's an amazing version of the song as well. So yes, please do check J. 
Jimmy Column out. And maybe we can just put a link to his Spotify or whatever in our description. Yeah. We're moving on to the next scene, which I called Loverboy. I know I've said I liked the episode. I'm still complaining. I'm very sorry because this is the second time Lucifer has failed to identify a gay man as gay. That is true. He says that usually the devil has impeccable gaydar and I'm starting to feel that Lucifer is being moved more and more to a one on the Kinsey scale than on a two or a three. The way I read Lucifer, I would agree with the two, two and a half to me and I don't think that changes that much for me as far as I can tell at the minute. I do not obviously want to talk about the future because one, we don't want to spoil anything and two, I don't remember the future episodes well enough to judge these things at all. I'd say two, two and a half. I think he doesn't really think about gender at all. It's more that he is now attracted to Chloe and she happens to be a woman. It just feels that the whole male-on-male parts and contact that were at least teased at in the beginning have now fallen completely to the wayside and now even his devilish gaydar isn't working anymore. For me, it just adds up. There is another explanation for this. You know that, right? Tell me. Lucifer is full of himself and he thinks that he is better at these things in his gaydar and stuff like that than he actually is. Same way as he says, no woman can say no to me, which is not actually really true. But I have to say that I agree with Lucifer because I did too not see this coming. I feel for Kyle, it must be horrible to not being able to be with the person you love. Beyond the stolen moments. Not only that, but then losing them and not being able to grieve them properly. Yeah. Because then it would again be out. The same issue that he had before. But it speaks to Kyle that he still respects the wish to not be outed, even though his partner is already dead. Yeah. Which is very beautiful, but at the same time, it must be very very painful yeah I like that he kept the picture safe that uh, in the end solves the case (laughs) and I like it that he got it sent for safekeeping because apparently the dude didn't trust his own phone and everything for the life of me I could not remember if it was the wife or the lawyer who was the bad guy I was convinced it was the lawyer I knew it was one of them but I didn't remember which one that made it very enjoyable I'm super proud of my title for scene 10 ooh Malcolm spilling all the beans and the kimchi. Lovely. I love it. Malcolm is still eating nonstop and it's disgusting as always. Mm-hmm. Malcolm is talking about hell and that is super interesting. He points out that everyone is getting their own personal hell, individual torture, extra care, like your own door, he calls it. And that to me seems more like a Greek approach to hell where you have individual punishments like Sisyphus and Tantalos and not not so much the actual Christian depiction of the fiery pit of pain or even the Jewish depiction, which is a place of darkness. Mm-hmm. I was rooting so hard for Dan when he kicks the food out of Malcolm's hand. That was such a fuck yeah moment for me. Also, very smart. It's super smart that he then hides the knife, but even in the face of being powerless, he refuses to give up 
even though it goes about a person that he actually doesn't care for. So it really speaks to his character. I'm gonna hate myself for saying this, but this is a very Dean-like trait. Yes. And as much as I hate Dan as character, I adore Dean as a character. If I'm not gonna cut this out, Dean, I mean Dean from Supernatural Dean. I'm probably gonna cut it out. And actually, I agree with your earlier assessment that Dan is a Hufflepuff. Because this refusal to give up because someone is in danger. If it was Chloe or someone, it would be, yeah, of course. But it's only, in quotation marks, Lucifer. And still, he doesn't give up. It really speaks to him. It doesn't change all the douche moments that he had in the last 10 episodes. But this episode is really good for Dan. Yeah. The fact that he fights for Lucifer is really playing for him in a sense that he refuses to just get rid of the problem or run away from the problem. Yeah. He wants to win fair and square. And again, that plays for him to be a Hufflepuff. I want to win, but not over somebody's dead body. So, great Dan moment. I'm gonna cut it out. I don't like how positive this is. <laughs> <laughs> and disgusting Malcolm moment when he keeps eating with his hands. They've done it before and they really make this connection with the food and Malcolm. So gross and so ugh. It's just... He ugh. does literally say I got hunger for life. Yeah, when he describes his own personal hell. This is very much in alliance to what we've talked about a couple episodes ago when we first noticed that Malcolm is eating constantly and it is disturbing to us. So it is kind of confirmation of our suspicion from previous episodes. As you said earlier, I would have preferred to not have it had spelled out. The hunger for life, yes. The they starved me, no. I think that kind of served the other purpose where they were trying to explain how hell actually works. Yeah. It was more towards that purpose than justifying the hunger for food that Malcolm has. But... Still, yeah, I agree with you. It didn't need it. Yeah, we didn't need it and it would be nice to be treated a bit smarter. Speaking of smart, Chloe locked her door. Oh, well done, Chloe! I was so happy. I'm not happy because scene 11, Chloe's taking work home again. But I'm so proud of her that she locked her door. I did not see it coming that the lawyer barges into her home, which is so not okay. The entire visit is very suspect. How did he get her address? He must have stalked her out just to threaten her. It's so not okay. It's, I know where you live. Exactly. Back off. It's what a mafia would do. When he literally tells her to back off, Lauren German's face is amazing. Because she doesn't say anything, but her face speaks fucking volumes. I really wish that they gave her more moments where she can play with her expressions. Because she's really good at it. And I would like more, but I really love this one. Yeah, this is a very good scene. In this moment, I was absolutely 100% sure that... It was... The lawyer. Fleming. Yeah. Back at Lux, we get a song. Oh, we do. And the song is called Feel Safe. And it's by All We Are. I think it's kind of ominous that we have a song called Feel Safe in this scene where we have this fight. And also right after Chloe's private address was violated. Exactly. I found it very intriguing that Chloe is actually wanting to use Lucy Powers, but being shut down by Lucifer because he's so far up his own ass that he totally misses the actual point. And I really like that she calls him on it. That she points out that he sucks and she 
she wants the old Lucifer back. This is what I wanted in the initial scene with the praiseworthy behavior that's not praiseworthy. This is what I wanted then and I'm glad that I at least got it now because I know she has the fucking backbone. See, the difference between Chloe here and Chloe then is that now this is about her as a cop. This is about bringing justice. Back then, it was about her personal thing that she was embarrassed about so she didn't feel confident about it to call Lucifer out on it. I can't argue. I still wanted it. <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> no, I get it. But we're all humans. Except the two people in the next scene. <laughs> I love the next scene so much. Thank you for that segue. I called it Two Lonely Immortals Hanging Out. It's so good. The entire scene where Ames being in the dress around in the first place, being in the real world and knowing what we know so far, you can see that he is starting to enjoy the same pleasures as Lucifer does. Mm -hmm. He's not way down the line yet, but he is getting there. Starting to humanize. This is not okay. He's not supposed to be in a real life. He's not supposed to hang with humans. He's not supposed to eat and drink. Well, he's technically not drinking because Mace points that out. He's just sniffing the wine. He's this close. Exactly. He is enjoying himself. He's being selfish. He's enjoying worldly things. That is not an angel thing to do. Nope. And next to that, I absolutely love Maze in this scene. She knows that she doesn't have anybody else and that's why she's there and she accepts it. But sure as hell, she's not gonna behave like this with Deal. No, of course not. Because that wouldn't be Maze. And I love how they, and we are getting to the end of season one, but they already have established the characters so well that I can say about a lot of them, they're true to their character by doing this. Yeah. Which is great writing. If you ask me. And great character development. And great work with the character themselves by the actors. Mm. I like Maze being typical Maze, as you pointed out. When she describes excitement as fun, danger, sex and spontaneity... 100% 100% agreement there. And Ames' reaction to it. Uh, I'm not boring. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty exciting. And then he brings one example of when he was fun. And they don't tell us what it is. Well, let's just wait and see because they better fucking tell us. Otherwise, I will demand to know at a convention. So... <laughs> Do you want me to put it in our notes? What is Amenadiel's goat story? Yeah, maybe put it down as a question. What is Amenadiel's goat story? Question. Yes. If Mace found out about Amenadiel's actual plan, she would instantly return to Lucifer, right? Yeah. Okay. Because the whole sense of this scene is that Amenadiel is like, you betrayed Lucifer, you're all alone, you have no one, all la la la. But if she knew what Amenadiel was actually planning, she would ignore all the bad that had happened between her and Lucifer and would rush back to his side and protect him. Yeah. The question is, she probably would try to tell him but I don't think that he would listen however I'm pretty convinced that she would try to be around him and save him anyway I expect like in Sweet Kicks actually where she's in the background and then disarming those gang members because let's be honest Mace could simply kill Malcolm she definitely could yeah and then the danger would be done well from this particular human and Manager would have to raise another one she would just be putting them down like flies (laughs) 
that is a nice hypothesis. Then she would be busy. Nevertheless, she does not know. It's a nice image. I agree. Next up, we have Chloe doing good detective work. And I'm always happy when she's being depicted as competent. Lina? Yeah? Get the fuck out of my notes. Thank you. <laughs> Again? There was a numerous occasions where I didn't actually say it, but it's like you are at times literally reading from my notes. So basically, this episode description is gonna be, we're really sorry, we virtually had the same notes. <laughs> Nice. I like that Kyle is doing the right thing, helping Chloe. And to build up on what she just said about Chloe, what I really appreciate is that it makes her life and job easier if she can work with Lucifer because they work really well together and he has supernatural powers. But she sure doesn't need him. Yes. In a little bit, we're gonna talk about her imitating <laughs> Lucifer. <laughs> which is so good. Fucking amazing. There is so many little moments which I absolutely adored about this episode. Yeah. This one is one of them. This whole scene where she is showing her capability of actually doing her job and that she is not depending on the supernatural powers that she has access to. Because very often on a shows where we have like a sidekick, they suddenly find themselves unable to use their skills even though they have been shown to have those skills at the beginning. Suddenly they're so used to using this crutch that they feel legless without that person next to them. And this is not the case and I really appreciate that. I have complained so often when they make her dumber to make the bad guy look smarter and so every time they make her competent because she is competent I'm happy. Next up we have the grumpy lawyer as the good guy even though my notes for that scene start with oh my god that lawyer is an asshole. He's not the bad guy but he's a fucking asshole. Yeah my notes start with she's so pretty. <laughs> Because Chloe, what she's wearing and the way she looks, this is very un-Chloe-like. When he tries to suggest that she's there to seduce him, I was so angry. I said, he wishes. In your dreams, dude. And if you're not careful, you're gonna be unconscious and dreaming. One of my notes is Chloe playing at being Lucifer's brilliant. So you get out of my notes. Ah, uh, no, that is beautiful and desires and, and shit. And I did not expect the lawyer to be a good guy. I'm quite happy that a good guy is actually depicted as not a nice person. Because you can be a good person and an asshole. Next up, we're in the den of evil. The den of evil. <laughs> evil air. I only have one note for the scene that I called Dan being a badass in all caps because I was really into it. And it's go Dan, go with your little plastic knife. No, yes. I was completely into the scene. I was with him and cheering for him. <gasps> I have only one note as well. And it says Dan is a bit of a bulldog, isn't he? He's so good. He is a dog. Yeah. Lucifer is a cat. Chloe is also a cat. We're gonna have this discussion at some other time. Yeah. Okay. I'll with that. <laughs> because if anything, Lucifer is a snake or a goat. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make him all the animals that he's been in the lore over the years. Basically. We're... At the penthouse before the party. And we finally get to learn why we saw the coin in the previously on. What I kind of like about the coin and the fact that Lucifer has it in his possession until now. The fact that he reveals that he was planning on using it eventually to go back to hell actually explains why he decided to get rid of the wings because he could have used the wings to go back and he decided to burn them and get rid of them because of the sentiment that they present 
invented for him. Because the wings were part of his connection to his father, the coin isn't. Exactly. And the coin has the same function, so he doesn't need the wings. Which I really like that they give us this alternate explanation to it. It just makes way more sense to me then. But also, it's really interesting that he had planned to eventually go back to hell. To me, it was more of a that he was... Like you mentioned before, why Mace kept the one feather. Because she wanted to keep Lucifer's options open. To me, this is the same reason why he kept the coin. And nobody really knows that he has the coin. Well, he keeps playing with it very obviously. I do wonder if Mace knows. I don't think she does. Yeah, because if she does, then she would not have needed to save a piece of the wings. It's super interesting. That's why I assume that she doesn't know and that Lucifer is keeping this as the last resort for himself, not telling anybody about it. What I found interesting, I mean, we're now going backwards through the scene, but we now have confirmation that Lucifer needs a means of traveling to go back to hell. This is the final confirmation that he as himself cannot go back. Until the moment when he hands it over, he seems super suave and self-assured and everything. But the moment he hands it over, his facial expression actually seems quite affected and he he seems quite nervous. It's the only tiny moment where he seems nervous in the entire scene. And I found it real interesting. To me, it can have a couple of different reasons, actually. Because one, I think that it is that moment before he actually knows that the ruse worked. That Malcolm is accepting the coin and is not going to shoot him anyway. Mm. He's waiting for the confirmation of this working. So that is one explanation from this. And the second one is that the realization... To to him that he is actually giving up the last mean for him to go back to hell. I'm fully on board with the second one. I think it's both. I'm not gonna argue this point. (laughs) I think the second one is more important and more interesting to us. But I think the first one is a little bit of a... Do you know, like, when you try to convince somebody and just before they say yes, I get it, you're kind of waiting... You have to make sure you don't tip your hand before you have the fish caught. Exactly. Lucifer is playing the entire moment with such perfection. From the second Malcolm comes in, and by the way, damn, his timing is perfect. It could not be better. But what I don't like is that we get the usual bad person speech. Mm -hmm. Why not just go in and shoot him and make yourself a drink and leave? I thought about the exact thing, and Malcolm has proven himself to love the sound of his own voice. I was about to say the same shit. Okay, fuck you very much. Just as in the show, they say it's opposite day. We have Samesies Day today. Yep. I found opposite day, by the way, extremely hilarious. And I lost my shit when Malcolm is completely unimpressed by the devil's face. Of course, it's obvious, but it's so well played. It is. Because we have learned in the past what reaction the devil face actually creates in people. And of course, someone who has been to actual hell is not going to react to it that much. But Malcolm is not reacting at all. And I also like the reveal of Lucifer to Malcolm that he has been played by a Manadiel. That a Manadiel cannot kill him. This scene is a very good one. And I think it plays into Lucifer's cards 
for sure that Malcolm is so self-obsessed and so self-loving that he has to go on that tangent. He has to tell him. He has to make the speech. Yeah. And he is the typical Bond supervillain. He wants to be. Well, he is because Bond supervillain never wins, obviously. Well, now Malcolm won the best of all things. He didn't have to kill someone and he's not going back to hell ever because he has the coin. There's gonna be a catch. There always is a catch. Well, he still has to deal with Dan somehow. Yeah. At some point. Well, does he now? Because Dan has run off. Woohoo. Anyway. But before we go any further, there's Stevie sex in the car. Oh my god. I know it later on gets implied who's having sex in that. But when it first came, I was like, what? Anonymous sex. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. That is the song that is playing while we watch the car sex. Oh, wow. It's not unusual by Tom Jones. When I watched this episode for the first time, I did not make the connection who was in the car. My note this time is only, huh? Then you get the wings. Breaking the window. Was it wing? Yeah. I thought it was... Nope, it was a wing. Ames. So Ames was on top? Seriously? Because when he finishes, his wings come out. When he ejaculates, the wings come out? Are you serious? <laughs> That's my perception. Because you have the sex <laughs> happening. The windows and everything. I thought someone punched the window. I did not see the wing. You can see the feathers. I missed that. Oh, wow. Shame on me. This is a really good moment. It's a very short scene. I knew that it was Ames in there. It's 1 minute 29 seconds. You see that, but you don't know who's there with him. I assumed it was Mace because that's who he was with last. But you don't have a confirmation. And I love that. He better not be fucking a human because that's how you get a fucking Nephilim. At least in other lore. Well, I mean, Lucifer has been fucking humans for years. Maybe the devil can't. Maybe you need a special person to birth the Antichrist. I think that we will know more about this eventually. I do hope so. So, Angel Sex, putting a pin in that one. Yes, please. We're back at the penthouse, but now during the actual party. And Vanessa comes looking for Lucifer and shares the information that she plans on going to Buenos Aires, I think. And then we have the fun anecdote about the Nazis moving to Argentina. And I really like how Lucifer keeps talking. And while he talks, he realizes that Vanessa killed her husband. And this is not the first time this actually happens to him. When he just casually has a conversation with the killer and while he is in the middle of a sentence, he puts two and two together and he realizes. And he keeps talking and opposed to Malcolm having his evil overlord speech, Vanessa simply shoots him. And I'm so there for it. And this is exactly the self-awareness of this show where they know that Malcolm is full of shit and loves listening to his own voice. So on purpose, they put in this character who just just comes in and actually does Malcolm's job for him by shooting Lucifer. So Malcolm would be win-win-win at that moment. I feel so bad for Dan because Dan to the rescue, but it's too late. There is a song that I want to just call out for one single reason. The name of the song is my mom's name. What? <laughs> Shout out to your mom. Shout out to my mom, whose name is Alana. Alana is a Czech name, I think, originally. Who knows? <laughs> 
Alana is how you spell the name of this song and I have no idea how to pronounce it in any other way. So there you go. It's by Yumi Zouma. Okay. And it's playing in Lux when the savior Dan is running through the crowd, which is a very quiet. Yeah, because it's a gala. Everything has to be fancy. But he looks so disheveled and he's so done and he's sturdy and he's sweaty and he comes upstairs and Lucifer is lying there dead for all we know. And he lost his consciousness. Again, this is a callback to episode one. Exactly. What the fuck? This is really interesting. And Dan being completely defeated and then Lucifer waking up, Dan being like, what the fuck? Lucifer being, what the fuck? And everyone being confused. Lucifer just going down and telling Dan to have himself a drink. They're bonding, Lena. They're bonding. Isn't it great? I do hope that Lucifer does realize at some point what Dan was trying to do. And that will have effect on the relationship. I don't think that we've seen enough of the impact of this scene. But I do think that it will have impact. Even the fact that he tells Dan to grab a drink or two is a big step for Lucifer. I don't think that he would have done it beforehand. We'll see. The audacity of Vanessa. I love it. The audacity to have killed Lucifer in his own club (laughs) and then go downstairs, continues to have the party and give a speech where she says that he's not gonna be joining them, she is one cold-blooded killer. She's wow, amazing. Wow. I was very much impressed. Yep. The actress is hilarious. Her face when Lucifer comes up next to her. That was really, really well done. I really liked that Lucifer is about to use his powers and Chloe comes and intercedes because there is no need for it. I feel like Lucifer acknowledges that he has been a dick. She solved the case without him, even though he came to the same conclusion. And then he gets out the confession from Vanessa because a confession never hurts a case. Especially when it's in front of a room full of people. Exactly. So I feel like him getting the confession out of Vanessa is a slight apology. Like an olive branch. After the whole party is over, I'm gonna cut in with a cutscene. Ooh, yes, please do. After this whole party, Chloe is in Lux where people are leaving. It's just her talking to Emmett. She is very sorry that there is no money left for his scholarship because Vanessa embezzled it. And he says that he will work harder to get another scholarship. She just looks at him and says, I understand what your man saw in you because you're such an honorable person and such and such, something in that sense. So this is the basis for the last scene when she says that his scholarship gets paid. Exactly. And as he leaves, Dan walks in, goes towards Chloe with a massive relief on his face starting to like in a sense of you won't believe what happened to me i'm so happy that i see you right now and chloe completely changes her face because he broke up with her via text and she doesn't know it wasn't him she blows him off and says what the hell dan breaking up with me with a text disappearing for days and dan realizes that something must have happened but he didn't know he until didn't now know. so he says but i can explain and she shuts him up and she says i'm not in the mood and she leaves him behind and he just sits down on one of the one of the couches 
my heart breaks for Dan. Yes. I just feel that we want this in uh, order to get context. I think that if they cut this, they're gonna have some kind of a context in the next episode to, to kind of replace it. So yeah, that's the cut scene, which I wish we could squeeze all of these things in. But I'm pretty sure there is a cut scene for every single episode till the end of this season, at least. But also it's gonna be interesting how they squeeze this in, in the next episode then, because Chloe and Dan will have to have some interaction at some point. After the party, Mace shows up and that's the latest moment where the pin drops that Mace has sex hair. Yeah, she's looking a bit rough. I really appreciate that Lucifer is talking to her again. They're on probation, but I'm still happy. I'm gonna take it <laughs> because I want them to be talking. There's actually a song called Daylight's Gone by Motopony. Okay. I just wanted to squeeze that in. No worries. But yeah, I absolutely agree with what you just said. It's so nice to see them talking and Lucifer realizing that he is immortal has put him in such a good mood that he decided to talk to Mace again. Because now he's curious again. This is simply more mystery for him to figure out when he's vulnerable and when not. And he needs a partner in crime to figure this out. He can't exactly go to Chloe about this. That's true. Exactly. And also Mace now offering to be a double agent also helps because this gives him the chance to fuck with a Manadiel the way a Manadiel tried to fuck with him. It's just such a good timing for the two of them to, to start talking again. I have this image in my head where Lucifer slices his hand and it doesn't bleed. I see him sitting there for the entire time before Mace shows up and just cutting himself over and over and over again. And it's just such a funny image in my head. Wait a second. Wait a minute. Still nothing. <laughs> it's just so good. Then we go into the last scene, which is shot really sweetly. The lighting is really dark. It feels very intimate. And Chloe telling Lucifer that she prefers him being himself, but still appreciating him doing good, like with the scholarship, and starting to explain that maybe there is more between them after all than just work. Opening this door and literally going you make me vulnerable, while Lucifer does the thing behind his back with the knife and he bleeds. She says you make me vulnerable and he bleeds. It is very much on your nose but it is so sweetly done. It is. And it's a great episode end. That is an, another ground for me to say that Chloe is caring about Lucifer on more than one level and regardless of this being just friendship or a very strong friendship or maybe a potential for something more. It's beautiful to see a development of a relationship like that. It's not forced. It's happening organically. And I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That's all I have. Same. Final thoughts on my end. All in all, it's a fun episode. I know I kept complaining about certain things, but all in all, it was so much fun. We get a lot of knowledge about the how and the who makes Lucifer vulnerable, but we're still missing on the why. So it keeps being interesting. We get Mace not fully back, but at least a bit into Lucifer's good graces. And so Team Lucifer is two people again. That makes me very happy. We have the continuation of a Manadiel falling and falling and falling deeper. Having sex, for Christ's sake. <laughs> for Christ's sake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're treated to some bad. Yes, 
good guy Dan moments, which I really appreciated because he had such shitty moments in the past episodes and he was such a douche and he was a bad cop and he was a bad person. But these moments really, damn, so many points for Hufflepuff. No argument there anymore. Malcolm stays as yucky as he was the entire time, but he stays in the deck of cards. So I'm pretty sure he's gonna be back in some way, but I'm not sure in what capacity, because now he has no reason to kill Lucifer, but he still has the gun. So there's still open ends lying all around. As I said before, I really hope that we get an actual acknowledgement by Lucifer that Dan was trying to save his life. Because while the fix yourself a drink or two is much nicer behavior by Lucifer towards Dan than anything before, it does not really feel adequate for the dude just trying to save your life. Yes, it was not necessary, but he hates you and he still tried to save your life. But with only two episodes left in this season, I have huge question marks in my brain which parts of the stories are gonna get tied up and which strings are gonna be left open so we have the continuation in season two. Fun times ahead and I can't wait for the next episode which is the top two episode when it comes to rating on IMDb. This episode felt a lot like a setup for the finale. We got some stuff resolved but not in the way we expected. We've had Malcolm in the game for a while now and him seemingly leaving the game it just doesn't seem right so it just gives us the idea of there's gonna be something more to it than what just happened and the fact that Malcolm has revealed that Amenadiel is behind this is giving me hope for Amenadiel maybe getting his own hands dirty. Well, now he has to. It's a possibility. It's gonna definitely lead to more Amenadiel corruption, if nothing else. We still have two more episodes to go. A lot can happen. Also, it means Amenadiel lied. And lying as an angel already is huge thing. It just keeps adding up on the Amenadiel pile. Yeah, it seems that Chloe is starting to fall for Lucifer, which is uh, interesting for sure. I'm not the person who ships main characters. It's not my biggest thing. I kind of like them together at the minute, but I am wary because I don't like what happens to main characters when they do get together, usually. Not every show handles that very well. So I am weary, but I like where this is going so far. But I do feel a little bit, and we've talked about this, I do feel bad for Dan because he did try to save Lucifer and he did get out of the den of evil and he did come up to Chloe and he gets left with nothing. Yeah. He has done so much. He tried to do the right thing. He tried to arrest Malcolm. He was willing to come clean about his own corruptness and now he's standing there. And he has nothing to show for it. I'm really curious where we're gonna go. Two episodes seems like a long time but at the same time it's a very short time so I'm curious. I'm excited. I think that we should talk about the amounts of episodes in different seasons and the reasoning for it in our summoning episode because summoning episode summoning <laughs> summoning summary episode 
We're calling it summoning episode. I really like the name. Summoning feedback episode. Yeah. Yeah, for that one, <laughs> we should really talk about that because it's really interesting from all points of view. And Lucifer as itself is quite special with the unevenness of seasons. Save it for the summoning episode. And speaking of the summoning episode, I do summon some feedback from you listeners. Please please do send us emails to lucifer at t-a-o-t minus podcast.com or contact us on any of our social media because we want to hear from you about the podcast. We want to hear from you about us, about how amazing you think we are or how horrible you think we are. And with that, thank you for listening. If you want to keep in touch via our social media, you can find us on Twitter at the apple of truth in one word or Instagram at t-a-o-t podcast. And we also have a Facebook page that can be found under both of these names. Our episodes can be found on Spotify and iTunes. And of course, for those of you who want to get involved or support us in additional ways, there is always Patreon and you can find that on patreon.com slash podcast. But no worries if you don't want to or can't support us on Patreon. Simply tell all your friends that they have to listen to us and we're more than grateful already. Yay! Bye! Bye!